On this week's brand new Compete Everyday podcast episode, we welcome Cody Royal and the discussion around how to succeed by going where others won't. Welcome back, competitors, to a brand new Compete Everyday podcast. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm your host here on the show and excited to get you here and connected and learning more from Cody's work, uh, from our conversation today, and helping you learn to win your work, your workouts, and your life. It's all about that at Compete Every Day. How can we show up better? How can we lead better? How can we make an impact by knowing how to compete every day, making the right choices in our office, in our gym training, and in our households to be the type of person that we ultimately desire to grow into? Today's conversation centers around self-awareness, leadership, and using your specific skill sets to make a difference by going where others aren't, looking outside the box, looking for opportunities where you can put yourself in a position to help others and in terms grow and succeed. Few notes for you today. If you are not connected to the Compete Everyday community, I want to challenge you to check out competeeveryday.com. You can learn more about our community, our motivational apparel, the keynotes and workshops I have going on, as well as find other episodes of this awesome podcast to help you start winning your work, your workouts, and your life. If you are into that type of apparel, mark your calendars. We are two weeks away. October 15th will be the debut of the Compete Everyday Fall Drop. We have a ton of new designs, new styles, including some hoodies, crop hoodies, t-shirts, tanks, and more dropping on October 15th. So mark your calendars. If you're not on the email list, you might want to get on there because they will get first dibs on all this new stuff before we make it available to the public. So start at competeeveryday.com and set your calendars for October 15th. To get in touch with the show, shoot me an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Drop in the subject line, I compete this week. Send me a quick note If you're listening to the show, use the subject line, I compete, I'm going to send you back something your way that you can use in October this month. Now let's get to the good stuff. Let's figure out how we can be better competitors by growing our self-awareness and our leadership skills by welcoming to the show, Cody Royal. Cody, thank you, sir, for joining the show today. How are you? I'm good, Jake. Thanks for having me on, mate. I'm uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. You obviously have an Australian accent, but uh, for those listening, you are Canadian now, correct? Well, it depends. If you go by passports, I'm still Australian. Uh, but yeah, I've been living in, in Toronto, Canada for the last 10 years. Awesome. Awesome. And, and you're, what initially prompted you to move up there? Initially, it was an opportunity to travel and work. And so I, I had looked at a whole range of different places, you know, Hong Kong, Dubai, Mumbai, Amsterdam, London, all the usual places that Aussies tend to land. Uh, but uh, I wanted a white collar capital. And so Toronto ticked that box. And then I am an absolute sports nut. And so having, I can almost see the, what is now Scotiabank Arena, where the Raptors and the Maple Leafs play. I can almost see that from my, my building here. So that also ticked the other box in terms of having that, uh, you know, on my doorstep. Oh, awesome. Well, you mentioned the sports junkie. That's one of the reasons uh, we got connected because you do a lot of work. Not only are you a coach, uh, you speak a lot around sports. You help companies apply some of the things that make locker rooms and teams successful. So give everyone just kind of, if you don't mind, a, a quick snapshot 
Cody, of what you're just passionate about in life, you're passionate about teaching and helping others with. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity to share that message. You know, it's really come about through the, um, those two things coming together. So, you know, my, I got into coaching at 23, very young for my sport, which is Aussie rules football. And obviously when I moved to Canada, the avenues to go professional, there were minimal, <laughs> obviously uh, by minimal, I mean zero. So, you know, working in the, the business landscape for a decade, you know, has, has given me that opportunity to, to compare how the two work and, you know, how we build teams and motivate and, and recruit and all the things that, um, that you've been talking about. And so those two things just came together and they've just come closer and closer together. Uh, two years ago, I, I wrote my first book called Where Others Won't, which really explored those ideas. So, you know, I went and interviewed um, general managers and coaches and players from all the, the major sports leagues, not just in North America, but around the world. So, you know, rugby and cricket and, and everything in the UK and soccer and, you know, Gaelic football, um, the, the sports in Australia, and, and really put all those ideas together. But what I really wanted to do was be the translator, you know, having been inside these big corporate entities and, um, and seen how they operate is, you know, not, it's kind of take it out of the motivational category because sports tends to get lumped into motivation. That's all I ever talk about. But I wanted to make a point that we need to look at, at how NFL teams recruit at how culture is built in the English premier league and really go deeper into the actual lessons rather than just kind of go, let's bring in the quarterback for a motivational talk. Um, because, you know, the, the lessons are a lot deeper and, and companies can, can really learn from how we do things in sport. So I really wanted to emphasize that. And, and that's kind of led to, you know, my speaking and my podcast and, and, you know, kind of exploring those ideas a lot further. Well, and the thing I enjoyed most about that and, and the content that you put out is around the people. I mean, it still comes down to, to different people. It's not just the motivation side. It's more to it. Does what about their drive or what about their leadership ability? How do certain teams, like you mentioned, how do certain clubs recruit? Um, one of the books I read this year, uh, Fourth and Goal Every Day by Phil Savage about Alabama. He talks about Nick Saban has like prototypes of players that he's taken from Gil Brandt, who was just enshrined in the NFL Hall of Fame, from the Cowboys in the 60s and how the physical measurements have stayed the same and, and he looks for certain things first and then develops the culture and the people and everything else. I'm curious from your standpoint for our listeners, we have a, a lot of listeners that are former athletes, they're retired, they still have that competitive bug where they want to continue, I guess, to stand out in the workplace, like they had the opportunity one day to stand out on the field, whether that was in high school, college, or, or even pro. What are some things that you're seeing and studying that successful teams are doing with their people or their people are doing within the organization to stand out? Yeah, I mean, this is really going to be a huge differentiator for clubs over the next decade. And you can start to see the groundswell now. But for athletes that have already come out and maybe didn't get, you know, the full-time sports psych or the full-time uh, transition coach, um, you know, uh, all the kind of roles that are, are coming about now, 
you know, I think that the big thing that you take out of athletics that you can really apply in the workforce isn't that you're goal driven or you're, you know how to internally motivate yourself. It's actually your self-awareness and the, the self-awareness uh, that you have obviously of your own body in particular, but just in terms of um, your whole being, what you enjoy doing, what you don't enjoy doing. And then the, you know, the ability to motivate and build skills on top of that is, I see that as secondary, but the reason I'm saying this is because when we transition athletes out of sports and into the workforce, it's kind of that same idea. Like let's bring the quarterback in. It's, it's a little bit, um, a little bit wrong because what we do with athletes is we tend to put them into a sales role. And, and the reason they bring these ideas together, the self-awareness is like, what do you actually enjoy doing? If you were a team captain, maybe leadership is for you and you can go to your employer and say, hey, I want a leadership role. You know, I might not actually be the best salesperson, but I might be the best sales leader. And my, my job should be to, to bring all the pieces together for other salespeople. Or it could be that you enjoy, uh, you know, the emotional connection. And, and so that, you know what I mean? There might be different roles for people that aren't just, hey, this guy, you know, was a state champion, so knows how to hit goals. So they're an obvious salesperson. So yeah, I think what sports does for us all is, is generates that self-awareness for us. And that's what we can deploy out into the workforce or whatever your next uh, career is going to be outside of sports. Well, and the, the reason I love you saying that is the guest that we had last week uh, at the time of airing mentioned that she's a mental performance coach for the Philadelphia Phillies baseball team and mentioned the importance of self-awareness and how today there's more conversations around it. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk in the entrepreneur space has been talking about it for a while as that's his biggest advantage. Uh, in reality, a lot of us just aren't aware at all, or we have blind spots and it's only through doing the work of, of investing the time that you become more and more aware of it. The other thing you said that I enjoyed that I think our listeners should pick up on is the fact that the idea that you take someone from a sports background and put them into sales, uh, because that's so common. And I, and I heard an interview with uh, Michael Gervais, uh, finding mastery. He was talking about he and Pete Carroll when they started compete to create. And he said they had all these Olympians and put them, all they did was hire Olympians, put them on the team. And then they brought in a COO later who evaluated it was like, like you have a really talented staff, but this, this is not the right team. He said, because you have these athletes that their entire life, it's here's where you are or here's where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, show up, do it. And you put them into an entrepreneurial position where it's like, Hey, you've got to create, we need you to figure it out. And it eventually works, but it's that transition piece that some of them were aware, like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Like I'm used to being told where to show up, what to do and how to do it. And it just created a whole interesting dynamic with them that they didn't realize going into it, that many of the people listening may be in that managerial spot, see someone goal oriented or driven or played sports and automatically assumes oh, that's perfect for this position versus having the conversation where the person's aware. How do you encourage people listening or, or the people you interact with speak to about starting to find that awareness and starting to how they can be more self-aware of who they are and their skill sets um, and not as susceptible to the blind spots. Yeah, there's a couple of points. I think firstly is just that feedback loop. So, you know, uh, it might be with a coach or, uh, you know, former teammates 
go and ask the questions, you know, again, athletes are, are constantly taking in feedback and there's going to be feedback there for you that maybe you haven't asked before. Maybe you haven't just gone and asked a former teammate, you know, what do you think my best traits are? Um, you know, we can kind of bounce ideas off each other to help build that self-awareness. Like it, the, the, the misconception with self-awareness is that it always has to come from inside. There's an external piece to it as well. And again, athletes are very good at that because we're always having to deal with feedback, whether that's just from winning and losing games or whether it's from the, the day-to-day conversations that we're having with each other. So that's, that's one piece that you can start there. And there's all sorts of great data now and psychological tests. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, Myers-Briggs and kind of the early models of it. There have been better tests developed and I did one recently and it's, you know, I'm compared on, on a bunch of scales over about 20 different uh, categories, all based around my work styles and preferences and, um, and that's allowed me to become a lot more self-aware about where my blind spots are. Um, so for instance, one is that um, I'm an introvert and an extrovert, which is extremely rare. Um, so, you know, to, to see that in data from, uh, you know, how I've responded to certain questions and prompts in a test of 144 questions now allows me to synthesize kind of everything I do and go, well, there's going to be times where I might be introverted in this particular instance and extroverted in this particular instance. And that really helps to just validate probably some of the thoughts that you've already had about yourself, but it gives you a catalyst to actually say, actually that kind of adds up because dot, dot, dot. So yeah, there's, there's just some places to start, but questions and then, yeah, uh, go and find a, a psychological test and just kind of validate if you think that that's um, how you perceive yourself. Uh, And I love the point that you hit home on the questions because from a coaching perspective, uh, from a growth perspective, even managerial perspective, asking questions, creating those conversations with someone with yourself starts to help you chase that thread and, and, and start to identify more things of, well, why am I feeling this way? Why does that set me off a certain direction? Why am I struggling with this? Um, to help us start to pull those layers back and become more self-aware. I, I want to switch gears real quick, Cody, because one of the things that I'm incredibly fascinated about with your work is your spin on podcasting and what you did, uh, which is when our friend Brian uh, Levinson connected us, he was like, you would love what he's done in terms of normal podcast conversation like this. Sometimes you have a solo episode what you've done is, is bring together different personalities to have conversations uh, around important topics that uh, have to do with leadership, coaching, sports. Um, for instance, uh, I noticed one of your shows, Alan Stein, who was on our podcast as well, was on there with uh, Dan Abrahams. You've had the Adam Grant, Joe Dumars conversation. And so I'm curious because I, I know I've read it and I know the answer. I'd love for our guests to hear what prompted this idea to think outside the box in creating content uh, when so many people are, are still just trying to figure out the podcast game and jump into the space? Yeah, it really came from two things. One, not wanting to do it. So I didn't want to be a podcaster. Uh, you know, I, I was pretty hell bent on, I'm a writer by trade. 
So uh, that's what I do for my day job. And, and I wanted to be an author. And so I wrote this book and then people had said, go and do a podcast. And you know, I fought that for a long time. But then, uh, you know, once I started to think about maybe I should go and do it, I, I wanted to create something different. And, and just being able to take a step back and maybe this is the coach in me is like, where is the competitive advantage here? And when you look at the podcasting game as an outsider looking in with interview shows, really the interview show is exactly the same. And this is what I wrote in the blog that, that you've read is it's the same as when Johnny Carson was hosting the tonight show. It's, it's, it's just a Q and a back and forth. And you know, who's really good at that is Tim Ferriss. And you know, who's really good at that is Mike Gervais. And you know, who's really good at that? Uh, Rich Roll and Oprah Winfrey is very good at that. And so, you know, I looked at it from an outsider's perspective and thought there is no way in hell I can compete <laughs> with those people. Uh, so, you know, then the question becomes, well, why would, top rated guests want to come on my show. And so, you know, where I landed was I sit in, in this crux between business and sports. And so maybe I could introduce people to each other who are already talking about the same things, but potentially don't know each other. So that's where Adam Grant and Joe Dumas come together is because, you know, I knew both of them and had emailed separately. Um, I knew that, you know, Adam had grown up in Detroit but they hadn't met. And so they, they have this thing that they should be talking about so I could bring them together. And Alan and, and Dan, you know, one's talking about the same things over in the UK. One's talking about the same things in the United States. And so the opportunity to get them together, I think in that episode, I ask like four questions and those two just go off and jam on the most amazing, you know, hour and a bit of, of conversation. So yeah, that, that's kind of become the, the, the trademark of the show, but it was really, yeah, it was uh, firstly not wanting to do it, but then also having a look at where can I create a competitive advantage for myself? Um, knowing that my whole brand is called where others won't, which is, <laughs> so it's all based around competitive advantage. So I better <laughs> show up with having thought through uh, where I can get competitive advantage. <laughs> I love that. And, and for those listening, not only inspired by this idea of thinking outside the box to find your own unique competitive advantage, I want to point out at that blog post, one of the lines you said in there about regardless of how many downloads, ratings, or comments the show attracts, I believe I've already achieved my goal by pairing like-minded people together that didn't know each other. I've helped forge new relationships that it can have a significant impact on leadership theory, team dynamics, and talent optimization. Honestly, it's a show about introductions, not about me. I love that fact because it shows the importance of not only are you building your network in the right way, uh, you're coming at it from a point of value first. How can I help these people? How can I just connect these people that are having conversations about the same thing to enrich their life? But I'm obviously being enriched by one, being able to be a participant here, listen, but connect with those people. And, and I think in today's world, it's so easy for us to network with people on our cell phones, with email, with connections, and yet we've become very impersonal when it comes to networking as well, that there's the need for those people that come forward of, of seeking value. I'm curious, because you're a very well-networked guy, you have some incredible guests, what are some things that you've done to make sure that you're always coming at new relationships from a serviced relationship perspective? 
yeah, it's funny because having gone through this process myself and, um, you know, yeah, networking with these people and, and, you know, we're talking Dan Pink, Adam Grant, you know, Patty McCord from Netflix, Alan, obviously, I, I didn't know Alan beforehand, um, you know, CEOs, you know, Chip Wilson from Lululemon is like, how do you approach these people? And, and, and yes, I have a different spin on it because I'm actually trying to introduce them to someone else through the vehicle that I already have. But it's been funny since I've launched the show. Now a lot of people are trying to network with me. And so I get the, you know, immediate ad on LinkedIn and <laughs> the, the spiel that you know, it, it kind of uses all your data just trying to get through, you know, the ask. And so it's really made me pay attention a lot more, but um, to answer your question, the, where I think I've been able to actually provide value to these people is by listening and observing. And so, you know, um, the, the, it's not just bringing two random people together. I've spent time to understand and, and watch Adam Grant on Twitter. What does he like to talk about? Listen to his show. I've done a ton of research before I even go into trying to, to introduce myself. Um, and, and I think not a lot of people do that. They just kind of just blurt things out and, and, you know, go into the sales pitch immediately. Um, and I, I'm not sure that's exactly the right way. Um, you know, I, I, I would actually say, I would think that's the right way because it, you're, when you create the conversation, you're already showing you've invested the interest to learn about them versus the person, as you talked about, that we get every day. They add you on LinkedIn and then it's like, blah, 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 buy all my stuff. Here's all my stuff. And I'm half the time I'm like, have you looked at my profile? Because this doesn't fit me at all. Yeah, exactly. So I've, I've written a blog about this as well. And it's, it's called How a Silicon Valley Titan Referred My Cold Email to Sir Alex Ferguson. And in it is there's three emails that I've sent and they're all cold emails. And one is actually to Adam. So Adam Grant, as an example, has already written an article called how to cold email me. And so if he's already done that work, you better have done the work to have found that message to then approach him in a way that he's told you he wants to be approached. If you expect the response. Um, and, and same goes for, you know, uh, Michael Moritz was the, the Silicon Valley Titan. And, you know, he was the Sir Alex Ferguson's autobiographer. Um, so, you know, again, I did the research and, and knew kind of how to approach Michael so that he might put me in touch with Sir Alex. Uh, and that worked. And the, the third one in there is I cold emailed the front desk at Southampton Football Club in the Premier League and asked to speak to Ralph Kruger, who... He's a, a, an ice hockey coach. If you don't know that, he's now at the Buffalo Sabres as their head coach. But at the time was the chairman of Southampton. Um, but I actually emailed them not about football or sports at all. I knew that uh, he consulted to the World Economic Forum. So I wanted to talk about some of his leadership work with the World Economic Forum. And, you know, six weeks later, they give me a call back and say, hey, Ralph wants to talk to you. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I think the, the observation piece, so don't add someone on LinkedIn and just start blurting out what you do. Take some time, do some research because the information's out there now. Uh, you can go and learn about anyone in the world and find that one nugget that you can talk to them about, uh, knowing that there's a thousand other people trying to get in touch with them at the same time. So you have to find a way to stand out.
And what I want the listeners, if you haven't picked up on the thread yet, Cody's work, his life is built around leadership. And this type of approach is a, a true leadership mentality because it's not just about you. It's about helping other people succeed. We talk about it on the show before. I, I talk about when I speak as well, but leadership isn't about how many people I can get to follow me on Instagram or like a picture. It's about how many other leaders and people we can empower to, to take action. Cody, you've done a great job of that. One I want to recommend before we close it up, I've got to tell everyone, your blog is fantastic. It's one of the ones I really enjoy reading uh, in information overload today. You put fantastic comment out on Medium. Um, and so I want to encourage everyone to check that out. But where can people, besides your blog on Medium, where can people get connected, learn about you? Uh, we obviously are going to link to your book on Amazon in the show notes, but tell us how we can find you for those listening that want to learn more and pick up some of your content. So I actually use social media to be social. So uh, Twitter is my platform. Again, I'm a writer. So uh, I love the written format. Uh, Instagram and Facebook I, I do use, but uh, I'm super active on Twitter and I will actually respond to people, <laughs> believe it or not, the, the social part. Um, uh, so Twitter and LinkedIn, you can find me there. Cody Royal is obviously not a very popular name, so I have both handles. Um, and CodyRoyal.com houses access to my blog, newsletter, you know, all the, the usual stuff. And um, uh, so it's all centralized there. You can find out what I talk about, you know, keynotes, um, you know, who's coming up on the show um, and, uh, and all that jazz. So yeah, CodyRoyal.com or just at CodyRoyal basically on any social platform. Awesome. Cody, man, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the show today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks again, competitors, for tuning in to the Compete Everyday Podcast. As always, get in touch with the show by emailing us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. And don't forget to use your 15% off discount code podcast on any purchase at competeeveryday.com. I can't wait to see you again next week. And until then, keep competing every day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.